What is up, everybody, and welcome in to an end of the season. We finally made it. End of the season version edition of the return of the Roar podcast. Frankie Cardicelli, myself, Chris Watkins, as always. Uh, Frank, we finally made it, man. I really didn't think we would. How does it feel just to finally know, like, you're done? You're done, at least with Kings. I mean, I know you have a lot of obligations with uh, now with baseball and and, uh, you know, the, the NBA doesn't really stop, but uh, you at mm-hmm. least don't aren't forced to write game recaps or any of that uh, garbage. <laughs> how, does that, how does it feel? It's fun to <laughs> to write other things that are not watching the games. Like, you know, I wrote a little tiny thing about Trey Lyles uh, this morning, just kind of like a, reflecting on how he played the season. And it already was just it was so fun to just like pose a question of, Oh, should they bring this guy back? And I'm going to do that about every player on the Kings team, obviously, like who who will be back, um, who could be moved, um, who exceeded expectations, who did not. But no, man, it, it it was nice to watch the game on Sunday, and it was a battle between the Kings and the, the number one seeded Phoenix Suns, the fully healthy, fully loaded Phoenix Suns, you know, who didn't have anybody out on Sunday. Whoops, just kidding. They had pretty much everybody out on Sunday, but yep. – um, it was fun to kind of just turn my brain off and watch them and, and, and hope, say, hey, let's let's go out with a win to kind of go into the offseason on a high note. And um, I can now officially say, though, Chris, we can say that the the, the roar did not return this season. We've, it did not. This has been uh, this is our third season now, and the roar still has not returned. We're waiting on it. We're waiting on it. It's, uh, yeah, it's in furlough, right, or whatever. It's uh, in waiting. Furl- um, hiatus, hibernating. It's probably hibernating, yeah. you know. Um how do you feel? I mean, are are you feeling kind of like a release? I feel like a release having just watching the plane. Like we just we just got the notification that Jared Allen's going to try to play tomorrow for the Cavs, and that just made me feel giddy. It just made me feel giddy in a way like where I'm excited to Josh sit and giddy? watch Josh Giddy, Oklahoma City Thunder. Great. No, it made me it made me excited just to, to watch. I'm excited to watch competitive basketball again. And I don't want to. Do you feel relieved to kind of get a, get a break, or do you think you're going to be kind of come mid May? after the lottery, you're going to get that itch again. Like kind of would be, would be open to watching the Kings play again. It's not even watching them play. Um, that I'll get the itch for. It's just, I need things to happen. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that to say like, hurry up and make a coaching decision. It's just like, at that point I will have been thinking, I already have started thinking like, man, like Fox and bonus. That's a decent foundation to start with. Like we're starting our team next year and we're going to have De'Aaron Fox and DeMondis Simonis. I need to know what the next moves are already. Like it's going to get to the point where we talk and we guess and we speculate and we hear things and we are like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is going to happen. And, you know, we're going to go through a whole dance of uh, (laughs) this offseason. We get we get the added bonus of doing the same with the coaches as well where we're going to be like, oh, I hear they're bringing in (laughs) Mike Brown uh, on Tuesday. And then, oh, they're bringing in Clifford on Thursday. Like, does that mean that Clifford's more likely to get – it's just just all of it. I'm just – I think you said it uh, at the last home game where you're like, I'm already ready for, like, game one next year. Like, I I need – like, I'm ready for it to to be preseason and just to know how the team is stacked up because – I feel like it gets said every year, especially for the Kings, who are always constantly trying to turn it around in one offseason. But um, this is a big offseason. <laughs> like, what they do this offseason is going 
to uh, it, it, it's going to be their attempt at, at really getting this thing going and all the moves they make are going to have very big impact on the direction of this team. It's very likely that whoever they bring in this year from a player and from a coach standpoint is going to be the Sacramento Kings for the next two to three years, at least. I mean, uh, Luke lasted about as short as you can, and that was two seasons and some change. It's funny, um, not to cut you yeah, off, sir. No, but do you that's, that's no, no head coach has gone longer than I believe three seasons over the past. I think since Adelman, no coach has gone more than three seasons, except for Dave. Dave Yeager went three, and that's crazy. Yeah, and like you said, it's a, it's a huge off season. This off season, I mean, every off season we've said for the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have known each other for what four or five years now, and every single time. We've gotten to this point. We've said, hey, big off season. They're all big. We know that. But this one in particular is big because when you look at the the ramifications of they have to get this head coaching hire right, they have to nail it. And they they just simply haven't. And there's different reasons why Dave Yeager didn't work out. There's different reasons why Luke Walton didn't work out. And you can even go back to, to George Carl and, and those situations. But um, we, we can look not- at the last – we should not look. No, we don't need to do that. But you can look at the last two in specific with Luke Walton um, and, and Dave Yeager and say those are guys that were hired by Vladi really on a whim as far as the coaching search. They did try to conduct a coaching, a coaching search when they hired Dave Yeager. Yeager but yeah. as soon as Yeager became available, Vladi dropped all those balls and just said, okay, I'm going to pick up Dave Yeager. Cool. Luke Walton hired – They, I think it was like a – not even a full day after they let Yeager go and Luke Walton was having his, his welcome press conference. So um, I guess we can start with that before we get into our moments of the season. Chris is kind of reading out these names and by no means are we, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't know how, how you feel about this. I'm not a head coaching expert. I mean, we, we, we do see no, someone like Jill, definitely Jill, not. Jill, Jill Adge on Twitter. She puts a lot of, a lot of time and research into these candidates and she knows a lot more than, than we do. So I would I would look to her for for some of this some of this information. But Kenny Atkinson, we know him well. Uh, Steve Clifford, obviously, he's been around for a long time. Mark Jackson is a name we should we should talk about in a minute. I think we'll start with with Mark in a second. Uh, Mike Brown, who has been a coach for a long time, as far as you know, assistant and head coach, and then Bucks assistants Charles Lee and Darvin Ham, who have been a part of of Budenholzer's coaching staff there for the champion Bucks. Now, when that report came out of the head coaching hires. We had seen some of them already. Carmichael Dave first before anybody, which give him some credit uh, so that Kenny Atkinson and Mike Brown were, were for sure. And Steve Clifford, those were three that he, he named. And then Mark Stein came out later on and confirmed those three. Now. And I, don't I think know, he threw on Mark Jackson as well. Did, did, did Mark Stein do that? I, mm-hmm. I didn't see the Mark Stein one, but I will say, I don't know how this keeps happening. And I'm wondering if it's a Vivek thing, as far as, he Vivek was a part of that ownership group with the Warriors when Mark Jackson was there. Is this really a matter of the Kings are interested in Mark Jackson as a head coach, or is it a matter of Vivek is still kind of enamored with those mid 2010s Warriors teams and just wants to pull pieces off of them as much as he can? Because I got a deep pit in my stomach when I saw that name. And at the media session for, for Monty McNair, uh, Brendan Nunez too came up to us and, and was just like, dude, like, Mark Jackson's name just made me feel horrible when I read it. So I'm just wondering, how do you feel? Are you 
fully out on the Mark Jackson hype, or do you do you think that this is his name continuing to pop up? Is is it ownership saying, "Hey, bring him in, let's talk to him," or is it really like like okay, Monty and other GMs around the league are starting to say, "You know what? Maybe it's time to give him another shot." Yeah, I think it's a it's a matter of he. I think a he has an excellent agent clearly because I, I I think I don't think he's a serious candidate for this job. Um, I think to your point, it it could be a little bit of Vivek wanting to take as much from his Warrior days as possible. Um, we saw that with with the initial Mike Malone hire. Turns out that would have that was probably Vivek's best move, but um, <clears throat> I don't think the two are related. But um, I think. I think Mark is probably going to end up getting that Laker job. It, it, from what I understand, it seems like all things are kind of headed in that direction. Um, I personally am not a Mark Jackson fan. Uh, you, myself, Brendan, and James all uh, were, were sharing stories of what we had heard of, uh, of Mark Jackson's previous, um, not tenure. even coaching. Yeah, like just his tenure. It wasn't necessarily coaching decisions made, but just weird things off the court. There's obviously a huge, uh, people definitely read about it, um, story about how he made Festus Azili cry uh, in the locker room. And uh, you have a college legend. You have a college legend. Yeah. Also went to Jesuit High School, which is, hey, I'm not a fan well, of, but it's okay. Yeah, you're, that's your rival. CB. Big rivals. Yeah. Um, but saying that um that yeah I, I don't i don't think mark jackson is a serious candidate for this job and and if he were to get any sort of like legitimate oh kings are in their final three and mark jackson is one of the three um i think at that point we can really start asking and raising some real hell you know asking some real questions and raising hell it makes too much because sense, of that, right? because he just he really it's uh, it's one of those things. I'm I'm trying to think of an example, and there's definitely some obvious examples out there. I just can't think of right now. But it's a thing that when you're an announcer, you're just viewed. Stan Van Gundy, great example. Stan, like he he, the game had passed him up. He's not. He was no longer. He was a, a great coach in the uh, mid 2000s for sure. Early 2000s had a good run, um, but. He was an announcer and a broadcaster on the games. And when you give your opinion on, you know, ESPN, the broadcast 15 to 20 times a year, people feel like you are watching games and you have a good insight. And the reality is, it's just like he knows he's a basketball coach and he knows what he's talking about. But that doesn't mean that he is, you know, he's hip to the newest coaching strategies and all that. Like, I don't have a specific person in mind, and maybe that's where the Darvin Ham and the uh, Charles Lee, right? Uh, the uh, higher, is that his name? Yes. Yes. Um, maybe that's where these two guys come in, but I feel like the Kings and Monty specifically with knowing what I think I know about Monty and how he's he's a pretty uh, pretty you know analytically based and, and just a, a smart guy. He likes really smart people um, around him. I feel like he is going to go for a young, sexy coach. Whoa, pause. Not hey, like that. Hey, hey no. we're going to have a good looking coach and we haven't had one in a while. Um, <laughs> but I just mean like, you know, uh, it, the, I would like him to look for the Sean McVay of basketball. 
Like, where is this young, hot? I keep using wow. I keep wow. using like Chris loves Sean McVay. I need hot. I need a hot guy. We need, we need more hot. We need more sexy yeah. on the sidelines. We're, we're, right? When was the last time the Kings have been on the cover of a magazine? When? You know, I will say this. It's because well, we have ugly ass how about, coaches. How about Dave Yeager's glow up though? Remember the first year he was kind of like yeah kind of husky well, and like he he had like the, the weird facial hair then the next year he showed up all with the, the the dark tan and i don't want like 100 pounds i don't want to throw you know throw my guy's personal life out there but from what i understand dave was going through a tough divorce and oh. then uh we saw what we saw the next season was single dave yeah we and I that's think that's in, that's dave putting on he know? was in the sadness diet to, yeah sadness diet eat and sleep yeah. for dinner no we've all been yeah. there um when you have to eat sleep for dinner so Mm. um no it's yeah well. on, the, on that on that note um I, I i do think sam amick today was on with carmichael dave and um he he did say that he he wanted he was said to keep an eye on the two golden state guys which was kenny atkinson sure. and mike brown and i think the first name kenny atkinson i think a lot of us were yeah we're open to that because we think i think his time in in brooklyn was um cut short you know, unjustly it was, cut, <laughs> it was it was cut short and, and there was a lot that went into that i'm sure but um I think he did a good job in the beginning of that team, kind of starting to turn things around. Mike Brown has won pretty mixed reviews, I think, whenever you whatever you see out there. I mean, I know that I think you're pretty critical of him, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah. I mean, my thing, I I again, like you said at the at the top, like I'm not X's and O's guy. I can't tell you what sets Mike Brown runs or what he, you know, the from culture, the from col- coaching from culture and from yeah. from the past uh jobs that he has had. From what I've seen, he has not coached up those teams pretty much at all. He had uh, he had LeBron James on his team for a while. That prime, was, like that was, young, young prime, like at the beginning of his career, mm-hmm. LeBron James. Mind that you. was very helpful to his who to his win loss record. Um, makes coaching a whole lot easier when the game plan is give the ball to LeBron. And I do specifically remember. And granted, LeBron does have a very checkered history with uh, with coaches and, and yeah. his relationship with coaches, even the good ones. Um, but it just didn't seem like at any point he was really coaching that team up. I mean, um, he also coached the Lakers, I believe in, in, uh, he was the coach before mm-hmm. Luke Walton, if I'm not mistaken. He and was the coach before, I think he was the coach before, um, um Mike D'Antoni, D'Antoni, Mike, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, yeah. Did D'Antoni yeah. never turn, D'Antoni was there for one year. I forget. He didn't yes. even. Didn't he was turn the, them around, huh? Wasn't he there for the Dwight? Oh, year? He, no, he was there for two seasons. The Dwight Steve Nash year, I think he, he was there, so correct? Mike Brown started that season. Then it was Bernie Bickerstaff, and then they brought in Mike D'Antoni Yikes. for the end of that. That uh, gotcha. So it was a uh, it was a Mike Malone season. It was like a where George it's Mike Carl. Malone and then Chor- and then uh, Tyrone Corbin and then George and then Carl. George Carl. Yeah, it was one of those interesting. Things. So, so Mike uh, Brown, I mean, yeah, yeah, he 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 was there for the Kobe Dwight year. Um, he he's had a lot of he's had Kobe and LeBron in the only times he's been a head coach. So like successful I'm not trying to as a head coach, yeah, yeah, successful. and quote unquote successful. I mean, yeah, looking at his win loss record as a head coach. Let me see here, pull it up. Um, Mike Brown as a head coach. As I go through all these years of Lakers basketball and how bad they were, <laughs> um, he is three hundred eight, three forty seven, two sixteen. So he's a real good win loss percentage. But he was again the head coach of Cleveland. Yeah, and they won sixty games. Twice. Yeah, he went 50, to the finals games twice. The year when LeBron was like twenty three or whatever, and MVP. 
when yeah. LeBron won three of three of MVPs over over four or five years. So yeah, and um, so the inverse of that would be Kenny Atkinson, who quite literally had an organization that was not fighting against him, but uh, he was the Brooklyn head coach when they had shipped off all of those picks to the Celtics uh, when they acquired Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, and uh, the Celtics used one of those picks to acquire uh, Jason Tatum. Um, I think they, they traded that year to move up or no, to move back. Um, Mm -hmm. yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those Brooklyn picks pretty much built this Celtics, uh, also the Celtics team right now. Kenny comes from Budenholzer staff back on, on the Hawks when the Hawks, I think it was 13, 14, 14. Oh, those years when they were getting washed by LeBron. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The year that the Hawks went 16, 22 though. And went to the finals, the Atlanta Hawks only team to ever have five guys in the all-star five starters in the all-star. I think they all started. Didn't they? No, I don't think they know. Corver came off the bench. I think, um, but yeah, not, not the win loss record is, is indicative of of how a person is as a head coach. Um, no, you know, again, we're not we're not X's and O's and into schemes and everything. But he yeah. he went 118 and, and 190 over um, four seasons in Brooklyn. Now he he did make the playoffs in 2018 19 again at the kind of near the beginning of where Brooklyn began to turn this thing around. Um, yeah, but they didn't have the pieces that they have now. No. I mean, he made the playoffs with like that Rondé was Hollis Jefferson D-Lo. and D'Lo, and I think he had. On this team, might have I'll, had I'll put it up. at that point. Jared yeah, Allen K- as well. Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb. Um, Crab. Oh, boy. Damari Carroll. Joe Harris. Bullet dodge with Alan Crabb. Um, Joe Harris, yeah. Travion Graham. Um, nothing special. You know, I mean, like, nothing no. more special than what the Kings have now, you know? No, it, this it, roster, Kings have, Kings have a better roster than this. Yeah. Come on. I, and I think that's... Uh, that's where I fall in the Steve Clifford hire. It, to me, it's not even about like best or worst coaches because I do kind of feel like anyone that they bring in, all the names that they have mentioned, with the exception of like Mark Jackson, um, there's probably some others. I don't have the list in front of me, but um, I just feel like they're all solid. Not even solid. It's 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 anywhere from like above average to like yeah, like that's below average coach. But it's definitely not worse than the situation we had this year. Not saying Alvin's a bad coach or Luke's bad coach, but Eh. just more that, yeah. Mm. Um, Just more that, you know, they're, they're not, we're not dealing with uh, Chris Finch here from Minnesota, who I know Monty was very high on, or, you know, we don't have Eric Spolstra as our freaking options. It's more just how excitement level is more how I feel. Like I would be very excited if they get Kenny Atkinson. Uh, I will be very not excited if they get Mike Brown. I'll be pretty neutral if they get Steve Clifford. I don't think Steve Clifford's necessarily, you know, one of the top 10 coaches in the NBA, but at the same time, he's coached some teams to some near 500 records. And at this point, I hate to strive for mediocrity, but we just need to build a foundation of being solid. We can't expect a new coach unless... You just can't expect a new coach to come in and be like, all right, like, let's flip this thing around. You saw how Minnesota is this year. Like, let's get 45 wins, 48 wins, and let's be a real team. Like, I just don't think that's I – I shouldn't say it's not realistic because I do think Fox and Sabonis as talents are – you know, I was watching these playing games, and I definitely am like, all right, like, Fox and Sabonis are probably – if not the best players, like against if they were playing the T Wolves, let's say in that in that uh, was that a seven eight matchup? Yeah, you know, 
I guess you can't really say Carl Anthony Towns is the best player, but maybe you say Carl Anthony Towns is the most talented player. Maybe you say Anthony Edwards, whatever. I feel like Fox and Sabonis are probably the two, three, you know, if we're going, you know, who's got the best player, who's got the second best player, who's got the third best player, who's got the fourth best player. I feel like Fox and Sabonis are comfortably, if not one of them being the one, I think they're comfortably definitely both in the top three. I'm very tired of people disrespecting Fox and Sabonis because they play for the Sacramento Kings. I mean, we've seen it happen with Boogie in the past before, and mm-hmm. and 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 just players and players that have played for the Kings over the past 16 years that have been just kind of you know looked at as oh like pat on the head, little brother. You play for the Kings, like Fox and Sabonis. You you guys, how adorable. You know the big kids are going to play though. It's like no, these guys if they were on a, a different team would be lauded as as all-star talents because they are mm-hmm. i mean Sabonis is a two-time all-star and he's one of the only two three guys in the league the other two being Giannis and Jokic and no i'm not saying he's Giannis or Jokic but the guys that can go out there and get you 20 15 and dish out six seven assists only three mm-hmm. players in the league can really do that and mm-hmm. it's Sabonis Giannis and in Joker so um i i agree with you i agree with the fact that you know it, it is it's fun to watch these playing games um, and I'm enjoying watching competitive basketball, but it does make me, and I don't miss watching Kings basketball, but I miss watching that duo really. And mm-hmm. it kind of came up during the, the, the end of season conferences. We just went and attended with Fox, Sabonis and Monty, where it was told to those guys like, Hey, like, you know, Fox and Sabonis, you guys only played 15 games together. Like, do you feel like it wasn't enough? Do you feel like you wanted to do more? And, and they both kind of said, yeah, like, you know, we, we felt like it was a good start and like, we need to learn more about each other and, this offseason they said they're going to spend time together and learn each other's tendencies and and get to know each other more but um it did leave me wanting more looking back and seeing it Sabonis 15 games I mean he he averaged 18 and almost 13 like it that's that's without knowing any structure with no structure and 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 the the roster is bad I mean the roster is not good as we kind of look and and go into yeah you know uh break down the season but the the roster and I was looking at today just as far as Coming into the season, you know, it's funny how you begin a season with a with a perspective, and then you look back and go, "Wow, I can't believe I thought this team was going to actually be good," um, but they really were bad. And yeah, now we get to look and, and <laughs> we we, we that's, look forward. That's, that's the summation of the season. It was it could have been good, but it was bad. It could have been it was bad. Yeah, kind of. I think someone the Warriors had a quote today saying, "We believe we had the best team of all time about 2016." And then I, I think uh, I think it was uh, Professor Oak from the Kings Herald said he edited the picture, made it San, uh, Spencer Hawes and I think Dante Graham and it, it did the same thing. We believe we were the best team too because yeah, they both didn't win anything. Um, yeah, things changed, perspectives change. Um, just kind of to get into it though, are you, anything else on the coaches and anything else on that front though before we move on? No, I, I, well, maybe I thought it was interesting. Uh, and I don't really want to talk too much about it because I don't think it was really that big of a deal, but Sabonis and Fox both saying different answers for wanting mm. to be part of the coaching yes. search. Yes. yes, yes, uh, yes. I just think we should mention it. I mean, um, in, in those end of season pressers, uh, both Sabonis and Fox were asked, do you want to be a part of the coaching search? Like, do you want to be an active part of it? Do you just kind of want to be kept in the loop? Like, just what, what are you, you know, what are your thoughts on it? Sabonis pretty adamantly was like, yes. Like, yes, I want to be a part of this search. Mm-hmm. Like, I want my input, uh, 
you know, received and I want them to hire somebody that I give the okay on. I don't think he said that specifically, but it was, I mean, um, it was, it was implied. pretty much. Yes. It was implied. Um, and whereas De'Aaron Fox, when asked the exact same question, mind you, De'Aaron Fox been here, his whole career been here four years. DeMontis has been here four months. Um, De'Aaron said something that really surprised me and, uh, just kind of like, no, like I trust that Monty and, and I, you know, Monty and Wes will, will take care of it. And uh, I would definitely like to be kept in the loop on what's happening. But in terms of actually making a decision, like, that's not really me. I believe his direct quote was, I'm a hooper, which is always fun. Yeah, that's always a fun, a fun <laughs> thing to say. No, I am. Um, I think it's pretty. I think we talked. I think after we talked about it at, at mm-hmm. lunch, um, we did. It, it seems like it's pretty it's pretty clear that I think Fox does want to be a part of it. He is I don't think he wants to come out and say the the yeah the the head the headline grabbing quote. He kind of yeah. just subtly said because I mean if you want to be in the loop, that's kind of the same thing as being involved in the process. I mean, it's not just yeah. I think coach, to an extent, like I think LeBron James is going to be very heavily involved with the Lakers coaching surge. Well, he's think... the G- he's a GM. Like, he is the GM. Very I mean, true. Right? I yeah. mean, he's the he's la GM. Yes. The GM. I think uh, I think I agree with you to an extent. I think I think you're right. I think Fox definitely was trying to not make headlines, and I do think he obviously wants to have some form of set. You know, if he adamantly is like, I don't want Mike Brown as my head coach, I would like to think that they would maybe take a second look. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he's more just like they're going to do what they're going to do that's not really up to me anyway. I'm just going to come in. Cause I, I do think something that he said that boy, did it hit I, not hit home with me, but I just, I feel it. <clears throat> Sorry. Choked on my own saliva there. Gross. Um, Ew. I know. <laughs> Shouldn't have put that on record. Um, Darren said he feels like, I don't know if he was talking about him specifically, but he just said in general that the team needs structure. Uh, and that he feels like they don't necessarily need like a militant or like a, you know, somebody that, that is going to essentially Dave Yeager them, um, which is just kind of yell at them and, and keep them very accountable. He just needs somebody who will come in and, you know, be a professional and, and lay, lay down specific roles for everybody. I feel like we definitely have felt that the past couple of years, especially with Luke. I mean, Luke was a very uh, easygoing, well, from what I understand behind the scenes wasn't as easy going, but it's pretty much, Hey, go get yours, go be special, go do what you do on the court. And like, you know, if, if you're your best form, that's best for us. I think we need somebody who's going to come in and say like, Chimezi Metu, like we can't have you like trying to experiment on threes. Like you need to get down and, and, you know, take all your shots at the rim. Um, just people to have defined roles. And I think that's something mm-hmm. that hasn't happened here in a long, in a while. And uh, definitely Alvin wasn't like that. Alvin was very much a go get yours kind of coach. Um, so it was just interesting for, to me to hear uh, De'Aaron pretty much. I mean, just say, I mean, that, that told me a lot about um, what the, t- how the team has been ran in the past. And specifically, I think just how he, he thinks how he views his the best pattern for success for him. Um, and I, it's got, it was surprising. I mean, honestly, it was a pretty, both those answers of, I don't want to be involved in the coach. And um, I would like 
a lot of structure kind of really surprised me because I thought he would have um, been somebody who, you know, because with Dave, they were very much like press the ball as much as possible. And that, you know, I think De'Aaron really thrived in, the, in that kind of setting. And so it was surprising for me to hear like, you know, and I, and I don't necessarily think he was saying like, we need somebody who's going to run great half court offense. Mm-hmm. But um, just to say he needs structure was was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I the way I took Sabonis' quotes was like translated. Hell yes, I want to be like in the room. I want to be on the phone when you're you're talking to these guys. That's why I took Sabonis' answer with Fox. Kind of the same thing when he says the quote about structure and how he wants someone who's going to be here for a long time. It's hard for me to sit here and say, oh, maybe he doesn't really care and doesn't need to be a part of the process. I think that he's kind of being. I think he is he is showing that he does talk to Monty in West and he does have faith in those guys and that he probably already knows they're going to check with him. I mean, he's the franchise player. He's going to be he's under contract for four more seasons. So bonus is under contract for two. Not that that makes Fox more important, but it kind of makes Fox more important kind of in a way. I mean, as far as he is your franchise guy for four years. So Fox probably already knows internally they're going to check with me. Um, yeah. But it is it is interesting to hear those quotes and hear Sabonis, who is here for this season, this upcoming season, and the next season, and then he's going to be a free agent. And he's 26, I believe, going into next season. He doesn't want to waste any time. And Fox, I think another thing I took away from him is his quote about how it doesn't really change. His his drive to win is, is unchanged as far as the losing doesn't – it hasn't worn him down, which we thought it kind of did at first. And he said that, you know – if you can win here, it's better than anywhere else. If you if we can turn it around here, it's going to be turning it around or, or being a part of any other situation because no one's done it here for so long. And that made me feel really good, just seeing mm-hmm. how much he does care. And, like, he does want to win here. And, sure, maybe it's it's kind of pandering a little bit and just kind of saying what, what everyone wants to hear. But um, I believe when he says it, I believe him that he does want to win here and turn things around. Otherwise, we would have gotten that report that he wants out and he's pushing his way out. Same thing we saw from DeMarcus Cousins. He wanted a similar thing. He wanted nothing more than to be the guy who turned this Kings franchise around. He wanted it with every fiber of his being, and even until the day before he left. He didn't want to be, get traded out of Sacramento. He didn't, want, he didn't want to get traded out of Sacramento until it was, it was already was done. He had that interview during, during the, um, I think it was post-All-Star, or before he came back to Sacramento for the first time. He had to sit down with TNT, and they, he's, they said, how come you never asked to get – trade out of Sacramento and he's like I don't know he's like I just love the city and I loved I wanted to be the driving force behind that team and now I look back and wish I would have pushed out when I had the chance mm-hmm. and he said he had a chance with George Carl but I digress um Fox I believe he wants to be here Sabonis I think the jury's still out he says all those things that I want to be here I'm happy to be here um I mean you kind of have to say that when you come into a new situation and you're under contract but um I would expect those guys to have input and it's tough to say there's like a clear front runner for the job right now, the coaching position. There really isn't. We haven't really heard anything other than a list of names and the way this front office has been over the past two years of money, which is pretty buttoned up. I would imagine we don't really hear anything. We might not hear anything until a hire is made. Um, so then the fact that they fired a bunch of people in the front office that, could have had a, a, a part in, in releasing information to the media and whatnot. I mean, they're going to be Fort Knox. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't expect to hear anything. I hope it gets wrapped up before 
the draft. I would imagine it does. I mean, that's two months, two and a half months away from now, the draft, June 23rd. Um, the lottery is the next point of emphasis, which is May 17th. Don't really need a head coach by then. Um, that's just ping pong balls. But yeah. You can have him sit there, though. He can be our representative. He could be. Real quick, as we move on, who who should be the representative for the, the lottery this year? Who? It'll, okay, it'll, no, it'll let's take bets. Okay. Let's take bets. Well, let's take uh, – I can't say bets. Okay. Minus, minus 400. It's going to be Davion Mitchell. Oh, no, you're wrong. Who's it going to be? Anjali World. Sorry. <laughs> I, I hate to burst your bubble, and, like, it's it's going to be Vivek's daughter. 10,000%. Not a doubt in my mind. I would I – would, Didn't she I'm go before? I'm not going to say what I well, would I, did she? Did we fall when she went last time? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really don't pay attention. Like, I remember De'Aaron being our representative one. I don't remember stuff like they that. They jumped. They jumped for De'Aaron in 2018. They went to number two. And, like, there's kind of, like, a threshold of, like, yeah, like, you can't send Sabonis there. Like, you can't send Fox there. Like, they're too, quote, unquote, they, they're too big for that. Did we send point. Tyrese? Like, did we send Tyrese last year? That sounds right. I don't know if we did. We sent, we're going to send Dave. We're de- they, okay. I hope they don't do that. But if it's not her, then it's got to be Davion, right? They're going to send the rookie. Yeah. I, I don't or, know. Like, I never am, like, quite certain what people's prerogative is with like with sending people like with who they choose to send a lottery because it's kind of like i almost you know what new proposal all all lottery teams send your mascot okay that's what i was gonna say too that or send, send the robot that patrols golden one centers <laughs> send the robot send like who send, can, send like, lee. why are we sending like <laughs> Chris, yeah. they, should send, they should send lee this the screaming yes uh, ambassador. Woo! High five. yeah give high fives yes! out everybody Yes. Let's yes, go. Let's yes. Go. Send Lee. <laughs> yeah. Lee would be. Love that. Imagine if we jumped, dude. His, his head would just explode. Oh, he um, would die. Yeah. Yeah, that would be kind of bad, actually. So I, I'm all Didn't for sending mascots. <laughs> I'm all for sending mascots <laughs> or people that people. Anybody that are... but Dan Gilbert's son, please. Oh my gosh. If Bro, that kid's that a good kid luck. That kid, that kid was a good luck charm, though. Like, they yeah. jumped number one every time he three was times. there. Three times. Three Un- times. Unbelievable. Unreal. Unreal. Unbelievable. Um, Chris, yeah, I mean, we, drop. it's going to be a filthy summer for us. <laughs> we're we, going to be dropping we, curse words left and right. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. We cannot curse on this program. It's very hard. You know what, though, Zach Lowe. I, I I listen to Zach Lowe very frequently, and they they throw in a a boop like when people cuss. So maybe maybe during the summer, we, I'll install a, a bleep button. Yeah, well, we can just timestamp when we curse. Yeah. Because our guy Brendan Nunez doesn't freaking follow. I mean, he has a potty mouth. Him, that guy, that guy is wild. He just he thinks potty this mouth. podcast is the Wild West. So, hey man, it's like, hey man, we're 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 tied to things. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll cuss <laughs> on your podcast. Baggage. Yeah, exactly. We we, we'll we can't we can't yours, we keep this thing actually. We have to keep this thing G or PG. By the um, way, uh, if anyone hasn't already, I mean, we got really good feedback, but. Um, Go listen. Well, I guess it might be old at this point, but you, well, you and I hopped on uh, Brendan's Kings Pulse well, podcast. Last it was last week, yeah, right after yeah. the season ended. Um, I guess we it's, we're thirty five minutes in, but we should. I'll, I'll just address it now. Like this is our first time recording since <laughs> I think the last home game. We we missed the uh, the last two games of the season. We just figured I was going to cuss right there. There ain't nothing to talk about. No, um, we. I looked know, at it. The as... season was over and. 
what were we going to do? Like really talk about, wow, Damian Jones is 17, 17. And I, that was well, that, what I was going to say you know. is we're going to talk about a couple moments, probably just a couple, like a handful each real quick, not too many, but we went, we went game by game pretty much almost, or, or like four or five chunk of game by four or five chunk of games on Brendan's podcast. So go listen to that. The King's Pulse podcast. With, with, with I was Chris not ready for that. <laughs> for a, for a full season breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of fun stuff at the end of that one too. But for this one, Chris, um, do you have a favorite game of the year? Do you have a favorite game of the season? Nope. No, I do not. Really? Um, there's two that like really stick out, but I would not say they were my favorite. Well, three that really stick out. The Sabonis, well, both Minnesota games. Sabonis's first game, and then uh, I think Fox and Sabonis's first game. Right? They mm-hmm. they and those yeah. were both the Minnesota games. Both of those two stick out. I don't really remember specifics. Just remembering the feeling that like okay, like the vibe is different. And uh, just, you know, that was the first look that we got to see with with this new squad. Um, Pleasantly surprised, for sure. Um, Besides that, uh, the Harrison Barnes game winner against Phoenix sticks out. That Mm. happened. I don't remember if that was on my actual birthday or the day that I just like we went to a Chicago Fire downtown and we watched it like at Chicago Fire. So I remember that very specifically. October 27th. Day after my birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, One One day after. And... Um, this one, I remember less details, but it might've been a Rashawn Holmes 2020 game against Charlotte. That's the one Did that happened this year. That's the one they scored 140 points that game too. That would be, well, that reminds me of the inverse. Uh, I obviously remember the Boston game very clear and okay. the subsequent Atlanta game. But, uh, yeah. those, those are the ones that really stick out to me. And if I had to forecast in the future, like two years from now, what do I remember when I think about this season? It's absolutely the trade, obviously, the Tyrese Halliburton being moved for DeMontis. And I feel like it's going to be that Celtics game. Those will probably be the two memories that really stick out. I really didn't remember how we were talking on Brendan's pod about the first game of the season. Don't remember Harrison going off. Uh, I don't remember. How the hell? vaguely remember De'Aaron scoring 30. How the hell did you get to that list without naming the Pute guy? Bro, like, I really, like, I know Pute guy was a very, and, like, you know, it it, it <laughs> coincides with Luke Walton being fired. Puke Walton. I don't want to say I didn't think it was funny. It was just, like, it just didn't, I don't know. For whatever reason, it's not, it does not stick in my mind. Were you, wait, were you, you were there, right? I was there. I was at that game, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How can you say that? I do remember the the post game press conference being very light, which I it was think hilarious. I, we, we talked about on Brendan's podcast. Um, that was the most fun I've had, I've had in the press room. The, the whole sure. that was the most fun we've ever had in the press room. It was it was Definitely. the night before the most daunting yes. day. Like with, it was just uh, I don't know. Like puke. I, I'm more I'm just mad at that guy. Like puke. Like hold your liquor way better, bro. Like, I agree. That is like. That's not, also nightmare scenario. I think we talked about it in the episode after it happened, but like you're going to get clowned the rest of your life, bro. Like Dude. you lit- you know how often people sit courtside every single day. You know how often people throw up on the court and cause a 20 minute delay once. I wonder unless, if he is the unless first. you try and glue your hand to the court. That's I the missed only, that by which is I missed. wild. 
I missed that, by the way. But I caught it like two minutes after it happened. I started watching the game. I I don't know. I looked like she had. It looked like it looked like she had Elmer's glue on her hand or something though. It was was something stupid. But with with the puke guy, it was they had to bring in a a like the guys have Monsters Inc. and like the hazmat suits and the the cleaning stuff. Like they the whole process was wild. Yeah, it was like crazy because like the first like three minutes, it's like what's going on? Like why is like what's happening? And then it's like. Oh, some guy, I think, I don't know why, I feel like it was Jason Anderson, like, had it on, like, it was through Twitter, <laughs> where, like, oh, some guy puked courtside, and, like, oh, we can see it, oh, there he is, well, and then we uh, see him being, like, you know, escorted out the building. And... It was on TV, like, apparently the moment he threw up was on TV, and people, Ooh. like, were, were blowing it, I, or Sean, Sean got it, I think, on video. Uh, um, I think Sean, Sean, again, what a talented guy that Sean Cunningham what is, what, what an eye. Um, but I, I remember I was doing my recap and I was telling you and Brendan on the podcast last week. I said, I, I had gone like 15 and 10, probably 10 minutes of like writing and just whatever the game's over. They're not by 20. Yeah. And I remember I looked up to you guys. I'm like, what is going It's been like 10 minutes. What kind of, what kind of timeout is this? And then we all, I, I saw everyone was kind of <laughs> crying, but, um, that game's fun. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's, it's one thing I'll, I'll, I'll remember it forever, but. Um, my game, my favorite game of the season. I mean, I don't, we don't need to keep going down and down about this again. Listen to the Kings Pulse podcast for the full recap on every single, every single game, pretty much. Um, if I look back at this season, it's going to be the three OT game against the Lakers. I don't know why that that, that was just a game where they they honestly battled every second. It was, it was almost Mm -hmm. like a, I mean, again, I'm a Yankees fan and I think about battles, like as far as, you know, trading shot for shot, like I, 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 it's like the equivalent to when I watched the Yankees in the wild card game with the Cleveland Indians in 2020, how they just kept scoring whoa, runs and runs and whoa, runs whoa, and whoa, runs. Whoa, 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 Cleveland Guardians. Guardians. They, whoa, they were Indians at the time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Guardians. Talk about that bleep button. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sheesh. Excuse me. The then named Cleveland beep, uh, bleep. Um, <laughs> they, they're, they're trading baskets. It's the whole game. And, and Fox had a big night. Bagley was playing well in, in a situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, defensively, he had some great possessions on LeBron James, which everyone was kind of praising him for the next day. Um, Tyrese almost had 20 and 10 and five mm-hmm. steals. Buddy Heald, 25 off the bench. Everything that went right could have gone right for them. Mm-hmm. And you beat the Lakers, who at, at that point, I think I kind of fully, we talk about the opinion I had at the beginning of the season that the Lakers weren't going to be good. And that night when the Kings won, I said, you know what? These guys suck. <laughs> like we we suck too but these guys suck as well and yeah. you know what they we almost finished with essentially the same record i think the lakers won what 32 games 33 games yes 33 but games, the given 30. the fact that they had lebron james on their team that's kind of cheating i mean if you take lebron james off that team that team might yeah. win 15 games i'm sorry i think so i think i'm so. sorry i think LeBron a russell Lakers- westbrook led laker team for the entire season probably around 20 or so Westbrook, Mello, Malik Monk, Avery Bradley. No, you're getting wa- you're getting waxed every night, man. No way. And LeBron almost led the entire league in scoring. So, yeah. Screw I think he guy. did. He just didn't um, have the games played. Yeah, because I think Joel got it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, I don't think we need to go game by game. We can kind of sum it up as far as the season sucked. Um, did suck. It wasn't How fun. about this? It, like, and we said it a couple times during the season. Is this the worst feeling season that you can remember? Like, have as you big, felt as, an, as 
as disappointed or as just like turned off um, by the team as you were this year over the 16 years or over the time we've worked for the, the team slash radio station. I would say let's say over the 16 years, but obviously okay. like expectation, take expectation into account because obviously, you know, those Bano Udrith 15 win seasons, yeah. like, those weren't fun, but they weren't supposed to be fun. This the most disappointing season for me still will be the fifteen sixteen year when they had Rondo, Rudy Gay, Demarcus Cousins. Um, they they filled out the bench with Kufus and Omri Caspi, um, Bellinelli, Ramon Sessions. Yeah, uh, no, I think Ramon Sessions was gone at that point. Let me pull up the full roster, but they they won thirty three games. Um, they just missed the playoffs, I think, by three or four games. George Carl, it was a George Carl year, but they had Darren Collison. Willie mm-hmm. Cauley-Stein, Quincy A.C., Rondo, McLemore, Kufis, Rudy Gay. I think I said it already. Seth Curry. Um, mm. that, team was, that, that team had talent. Like, that team had talent. And they were in the playoff race. They won six in a row, I think. And then the game that they lost was the the Boogie 56 game. You, were, you and I were both there for that one, the, the yeah. Hornets game. Um, so that game, that's that, that season is still the most disappointing. But this season, as far as I've worked for the team now for five seasons, or the team or the radio station for five seasons, and – this is the team I thought had the most talent and it just was very disappointing. It was like pulling teeth watching them after probably February, I don't know, 26th, 27th when they for sure were out of it. It just the whole month of March to me literally was the most agonizing, boring. Um, just, it just felt really, really, really bad. I felt very bad watching the Kings play basketball there was just never any cohesion like it never at any point felt like the team was gelling or getting better or figuring things out um it just felt like a dumpster fire from day i mean literally from not even day one from the from the moment marvin bagley's agent complained about him not getting rotation minutes at that point that kind of set the tone for the season it put a weird vibe around the well i wouldn't i wouldn't say it wasn't a weird vibe because i think marvin uh and and his actual teammates, you know, had some sort of understanding of like, hey man, like what happened? What you know, all this drama around me isn't isn't tied to me, the person. But um, I think the Buddy Healed thing was very big this year. I think that that kind of I think the weight of Buddy of Buddy Marvin and Luke, who I forget, it was also part of this equation. Uh, just the combination of those guys all three of them probably not supposed to not they they weren't supposed to still be on the roster. And the fact that they were on day one, all three of them uh, I think just kind of set us up for failure. And is that Monty McNair's fault? I guess it is. I guess it is. I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not your eyes fault. So uh, if it's got to fall on somebody, I guess it's Monty's fault, but um, I just think we were doomed from the start. And, and the sad thing is we didn't, it didn't fully hit until well, I shouldn't even say it. I, I say that like it, it took a long time for it to hit. It hit really quickly that this team wasn't going to be the team we expected it to be. But mm-hmm. it, like I said, it just, it never got better at no Looking, point. Did it seem like guys were like, well, we're here. We might as well work with it. You know, I, I totally agree. And looking at their schedule, you know, they had one three game winning streak this year. Just one. That's disgusting. One, it's, it's gross. They went, they, they beat the Clippers twice who are very shorthanded, and then they beat the Magic, who who stink. And then every time they've won two in, two in a row, a two-game winning streak they had in January was followed by a seven-game losing streak. 
Uh, they won two in a row in February. That was followed by a four-game losing streak. They won. I mean, it's just they. You look at their their schedule. They they could, hey, like you said, figure things out. No nine-game losing streaks. Hey, we did not have nine-game losing streaks. This not year. two of them. Nope. But did uh, we still ended up with less wins. We. This is the least amount of wins I believe we have won. Wins we have won. Games we have won. Um, this is our least. This is our worst season since 2017 when they won 27 games. And then before that, they won 32 and 33. So really, they've won less than 31 games twice since 2014-15. So that's not great. This is a very bad season. For a very bad team, you know, you're talking about seven seasons there. Two two times he won less than 31 games, and this is one of them. So it's bad. Yeah. And again, it's just bad. we're bad at we're bad at everything. Like Last season, at least, we had, I believe it was a top, I know it was a top 15 offense. Did it end up being a top, it was a, the 11th in terms of offensive rating. Top and obviously our defense was historically bad, 30 out of 30. But this year, we were 25th in offensive rating. So obviously got significantly worse, uh, 14 places less. And then our defensive rating was 27th out of 30th. So we were just good at nothing. Like we really yeah. couldn't hang our hat on anything. And that was something I brought up a couple times during the season was just what is this team good at? Like what at the end of the day, can this team really say like, Oh, we can really weaponize our three point shooting and really catch some people off guard. Or, you know, if we really, I think at this point attacking the paint and just getting as many paint points as possible, try to say that five times fast um, uh, would be the best, <laughs> would be the best route, but I, I still, I mean, until they build out the roster, I'm, I'm not entirely certain these guys are, are good at, are, are really good at anything. Yeah, I mean, they really aren't. I mean, you could make a case for, I don't know if in the paint. I guess I mean I don't have the in the paint that's stats in front of me, but but Fox and Sabonis both can do a lot of damage in the paint. Yeah, so that's that's a start, but. They they Monty did say during his press conference that they are going to go hard to upgrade shooting. And with that, I think, you know, what is that going to look like? Does that look like you go try and get Malik Monk? Does it look like you go and try to trade for someone that, that can space the floor? Um those are things we're gonna have we're gonna have podcasts and probably mm-hmm. look at targets and whatnot and, and looking at stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, they, they need more shooting. And in my mind, I mean, it's 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 basketball, and you need defense, and you need defense, and you need shooting. So yeah, and you need length. We don't have we don't have either of those right now. So we need like we have nothing. Uh, at the game of basketball, we are failing because we don't have the necessary we don't have those necessary holes filled. As far as we have no one that can play defense outside of Davion Mitchell, we have no one that can shoot threes outside of I mean Davion has been was okay <laughs> at the end of the year, and then Trey Lyles maybe. I mean. Those are two um, three-point shooters that are probably under 37% from three. They are. And Harrison Barnes had a good year, but will he be back next season? Can he? Can we depend on him to be consistent? Because like we saw, he would, have, he would have – Exactly. That's Chris's guy, Harrison Barnes. But he would have spurts of games where he'd go for 25 points a game over four or five, and then he averages, what, 12, 13, and then he still generous. ends up – Yeah, yeah. So, voice crocked, cracked. Crocked Crocs. Croc. I got egg in my Crocs. <laughs> Michael Scott. There are things to be figured out. Um, do you want to end it with talking about the celebration in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Because it, it was apparently a big talking point. I really didn't see many people that were, like, hating. I saw mainly people 
going against the people that we're allegedly hating. So I don't know if this is one of those things where it's like nobody, like everybody's well, mad at nobody. <laughs> so I have thoughts. Um, number one, Minnesota, I would, I would trade so many things in my life to like be not, not if the Kings could be them, like if the Kings could be where they are right now and, and be mm-hmm. an exciting young team this year, that was really good. When you look back at their season, they were a good, good team. coach, good coach, great core, young core with cat D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, um, good depth pieces. Like I would love to be those guys. Um, now I'm not really, I think I will say it was excessive. I sure. I think it was a little, a little much. Yeah. And I think much, if anything, that's, that's the, 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 uh, criticism that I saw is, and I agree. Like, Y'all just won the seventh. Y'all won the yeah. right to get swept. Like, maybe maybe not jump on the scores table and lift your shirt up like Dwayne yeah. Wade. And, like, the, the crying with Pat Bev and screaming at Steve Ballmer. I mean, it, it seemed personal to me which, with yeah. him and the Clippers, which I don't know what exactly tra- – trans. I know he was traded, but I'm not really sure yeah. what transpired behind the scenes with that, What why it's so meaningful to him. Um, Pat Beverly, as we know, is a very emotional guy. Um it was excessive, but I'm still looking at it and saying, you know what? They deserve to celebrate. They, they. Mm-hmm. When you look at what the Minnesota Timberwolves have done, and we talk about the Kings, you just look it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it, essentially it's the same thing. They made the playoffs one time since yeah. 2004 when Jimmy when, Butler year. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, and they, I believe they won what one game that year, or didn't win one? They won one game against the Rockets. Okay, so they won one playoff game since 2004, the year that the Kings were eliminated in Game Seven. That is mm-hmm. a long time. Man, that is that's almost twenty years ago, and they've essentially been the same people, like same team. So imagine what happens when the Kings make it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be De'Aaron Fox jumping on a table and ro- throwing his jersey into the stands, and and Sabonis, um, you know, and his wife having a, a kiss <laughs> center court yeah. like Cat and Jordan <laughs> Woods did. Yeah, uh, but it's going to be a really cool moment, and and. Golden One Center and the way the Kings fans are starving for yeah, that's the uh, thing. They're gonna go Sorry, crazy. I don't mean to cut you off, but like I think it's not even the players that will be excessive; it's the fans. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Sacramento is gonna get. I don't. I can't imagine, like you said, I don't think De- De'Aaron Fox is the type of dude to jump on the scores table or like really, you know, get the crowd, you know, like give the 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 I can't hear you or whatever after the game. But the fans are going to. I mean, K Street. We're gonna throw a parade. Like whether it's a sanctioned parade with with a with a dedicated route, that's 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 not up to me. But what I can tell you is the second that they win that 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 play in game, dude, it's gonna be people marching down K Street, clinching people, a play in spot. It's just gonna be insane. Yeah, just to clinch a play in spot, clinching a nine ten play in spot, I think will generate. <laughs> Not that yeah. same reaction, but people are going to go nuts about playing a, a basketball game that is after the regular season. Can I, something interesting I just now thought about. In terms of, like, being a fan, isn't it kind of, at least at the moment, it seems, like, funner to make the play-in than to, like, just be a five seed? Because at least you get that moment, you know? You mm-hmm. might not ever get that moment ever again. Like you said, the T-Wolves have won. T-Wolves might get swept. They might not, they might not win a game in the postseason. They, they they, had... they, they, Chris, they still might have one postseason yeah. win since 2004 when mm-hmm. this is all said and done. Still. Yep. And they had to enjoy that moment. And fans got that moment. And at the end of the day, that's what ma- being as in terms of being a fan, not, you know, obviously organizational success matters and building blocks and all that stuff, but 
in terms of getting the experience of being like, holy crap, like my team is awesome. And like, we get to celebrate my team, like essentially winning a very high stakes game that it's not even very high stakes. Obviously it's for the seven seed, but like, well, you know what I will say though? And I don't think enough people are thinking about this. There's like, they should celebrate because they just made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like there, it wasn't guaranteed that they would like, yes, no. they were the seven seed, but if they lose that game and then hey, lose the p- other playing game, then the they Warriors just had make this it last amazing year. season. The Warriors didn't make it last year. For that very reason, yeah. the Warriors did not make it. They lost both playing games. You're not yeah. guaranteed anything in the plan, obviously. And if that happens, you're going to be, pre- you're going to think the complete opposite of like, oh my God, this team is great. This is awesome. You're going to think we just spent this whole season lying to ourselves, telling ourselves that we were a playoff team. We won 48 games. Things are different. And then we completely choke the biggest two games of the year. And we don't even get a play. We don't get playoff revenue. We don't get playoff experience. We don't get any of that, any of those perks. It's just the season is over now. And that seven that, yeah, we won 74, 48 games or whatever, but it's over. It doesn't matter. Doesn't mean and anything. The fact that you I, again, I think I'm talking myself in circles now, but the fact that the fans get to have that moment, like that would be our moment of the year. That would be the thing that we remember from this season is like, yeah, but do you remember how lit that playoff game or that play-in game was? Like that was like yeah. one of the funnest nights, I think. I mean, that would be the funnest night that we've had covering ever. the team, working for the ever. team or covering the team, like ever. That would Ever. be so fun. I mean, I can't imagine what the post game press conference would be like. I mean, it would, it would, yes. I, I think everyone I, in Sacramento knows this, but like, yes, if the Kings win a play in game, you think what Minnesota did was bad or embarrassing. You haven't seen nothing yet. People will be climbing on top of the Golden One Center and, and there will be. Oh, that know, statue's coming down, bro. That statue's statue coming doesn't down. doesn't stand a chance. Are the Piglet statue might not survive. Oh, hell um, no. Which Hell is worth no. like three million dollars. I already I think. have this in my head, and like, if this actually happens, I'm so sorry that I put it out there into the existence. But uh, I, for the T Pain concert at at uh, the California Classic, I think, um, yeah. I got the opportunity to watch it from the King's offices, looking down on the uh, on the peasant folk, if you will, as it <laughs> as it pretty much seems. Uh, but I'm sorry, I'm joking. That's a joke. People aren't peasants. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Like the floor, like bounces, like it does. That, like the the the. It is not like it is. I think they have the loading dock directly under that statue, and so yeah. like for the T Pain concert, like legitimately, like I think there's video of it. Yeah, like, I'm not the sure statue why waves, and I have a feeling if the Kings really do some stuff, there's a good possibility that there is a giant hole in front of golden one center the next they might need to call a fire marshal and that's what i'm saying make sure everything's re up to code um no i i'm just saying i'll i'll say that i you know jj reddick had a really good a good rant about it on his podcast and i saw a segment of it on twitter and he he said you know i think we're forgetting what this this is a game like this is this is a, a this is a game this is a sport like there's winners and losers and and you should be happy about winning. And these are all young, you know, essentially a lot of them are kids, like the early twenties, mid twenties, and, and they should be allowed to celebrate. And 
yeah, like I said before, it was excessive. It, it was, it was kind of, it was honestly, you would have thought they won the NBA finals the way it looked, but you know, to some people and us included, we know how much it feels. And I think the Kings and Timberwolves are, are almost, you know, brothers in arms at that as far as we've been losers for almost mm-hmm. for the better part of two decades, like losers. Mm-hmm. We have zero playoff wins since 2004. They have one. Oh, here comes a screaming dog. <laughs> You're good. It's good. It's good. Anywho. Um, I, I think that that's really important. It's really, really yeah. important to, 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 to bask in those wins. And I know that we're going to as well. I don't think time. we have to tell Kings fans about this either. Cause I, I do think that there's no, like every single Kings fan, I think out there completely understands like this, like what it means. I mean, what that, what that game would mean. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, again, I just feel like we all know, like if, if, if we get put in that kind of situation, we will look like we won the finals. <laughs> and it, it, you know what? It, it might happen if we win 40, the game that we, or the, you know, if we ever win 41 games, it might look like we won the NBA finals. Yep. Just because, I mean, we've had such little success. If we win one playoff game, it'll be, it'll look like we won the finals. I mean, Chris, I look forward to a time though when we just don't have to talk. I mean, it's so fun to think about it. And again, that's one thing I thought about. And I didn't, I didn't want to like put a tweet out or anything because honestly, everyone was saying the same things that we follow on social media because we all feel the same way. Everyone was saying, "Imagine when the Kings make it." Mm-hmm. You know, this was a lot. Wait till Golden One. It's like, yeah, but when is that going to be? And we wrap that up with just saying, it all comes back down to what are we going to do this summer to get us to a point where that can become a reality next year because the clock's ticking for De'Aaron Fox. The clock is ticking for DeMontis Sabonis, who has two years now, which is not a very long time. When you think about how long HB has been here, I was stunned to think HB has been here for as long as he's been a warrior. It's incredible to me. Yeah. That's crazy to think. Yeah. It's, it's parts of four seasons, each team. So, um, yeah, but for us, um, Looking at what we're going to be having coming up, we're going to start rolling out some player breakdowns. I think maybe next week we'll I'll probably do maybe one player a week. Um, we're going to be in office more, Chris and I. We're going to have to be coming back to the good old office there at Sacramento's Bonneville Station, and we're going to be having a lot more time to record content, King's content, um, serial content. If you you know that <laughs> joke joke, if you listen to the king's pulse podcast but i can't believe we're um, still no no pun intended i can't believe we're still eating off that like we're we're, like we have literally been talking about i mean i guess not routinely but like we started the season talking about cereal and then we ended talking about that's good that's good journalism chris capital j we asked De'Aaron fox and tyrese halliburton about cereal we got our answers and there's a lot of hot hot takes a lot of polarizing views with cereal a lot of it gets very political and we're kind of in a in a war with Brendan Nunez right now about. I mean, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, he like, he eats like I'm, an eighty seven year old man. Yeah. Yes, he does. He literally eats honey bunches of oats and like black licorice and, and car- caramels, well, hot tamales, and stuff like that. He's just what's it? What's the other one? The uh, the his opinions uh, don't matter. I don't want to say it, but his opinions don't matter. <laughs> About this, I should say. Brennan Brennan definitely knows what he's talking about when he's talking about basketball and the Kings, but uh not cereal that, that guy that guy is a is a moron. No. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's an idiot. <laughs> that guy that guy needs to check himself. Hate that guy. What a loser. Yeah. You guys I, tell him we yeah. said that too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If anyone's <laughs> listening an hour three into this, Brendan, if you're listening, you're a moron, bro. 
yeah, let's let's fight. Just kidding. Come at me. Um, yeah, just kidding, Brennan. I, I, I'm very fond of you. It's the off season. We're going to have some stuff coming up. We will hopefully have um, some coaching clarity in the next couple weeks. Um, Doubt it. Probably not, yeah. But for that, that being said, yeah, next week we'll probably pull a name out of a hat and do some player breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when we're in office, we will be thinking up some new ideas. So, yep. content, baby, content. Ending the podcast with a big yawn for Frankie Cardicelli. I am Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. This podcast is not supposed to go on for this long, but here we are. Uh, please don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe, I think is what you're supposed to say. Something and, like um, that. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll do YouTube stuff at some point, too. If, if, I, oh, we've, yeah. gotten some, we've gotten some feedback about people that want to do you. I guess a lot of people put YouTube on uh, instead at work or wherever at their desk. and they So... Yeah, we did get that. some comments on the King's Pulse about that. So maybe when we get in the office, we'll, we'll think up a way we can do that, too. So Yeah, that's definitely cool. an in-office kind of thing. That's yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. Anyway, for us, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.